Welcome to the Soda Baptist Church podcast. This message is part of the teaching ministry of Soda Baptist Church in Livingston, Texas. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged to grow closer in your walk with Christ through this message. We invite you to check out our website at www.sodabaptist.org for more information about our church. It's always good to see you here this morning. I, I was pointing out just a minute ago, I never thought about it. You know, I like to go from Genesis to Revelation every time I preach. But if you will notice, there are no Old Testament scriptures up there today. That's just something I hardly ever do, but it's just a subject in which I'm speaking on this morning. It's uh, it, uh, To some of you, it may not mean much, but that's just... That's not normally me. I usually go all over the Bible when I when I preach. I appreciate the song that Cole Jones sang this morning, talking about our chains are gone. I've been set free. Listen, if you've ever been chained, you understand what that phrase is talking about. And if you've been, if you understand what it means to be chained spiritually to sin, I want you to know sin leads us round like he's got a chain around our neck, like we would lead a dog. And, and sometimes we want to do things, and, and I'm telling you, some of the things that we fall into, they just control us. Amen. Man, when you talk to some of these, these folks that have been addicted to drugs, I want you to know the drugs tell them when to wake up, when to go to bed, when they can sleep, when they can't, where to spend their money. Alcohol does the same thing. Uh, and, and listen, I could just make a list of things. But let me tell you what happens. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit comes in you and gives you power to overcome those things. I just praise God for that. I was, uh, oh, Alan Galton, I know I've, you've heard me mention his names many times before. I talked to him again just this last week, and we were speaking uh, about his testimony again. He was breaking into houses. He was an honorable drug abuser okay he was honorable he wouldn't break into your house and steal your things to purchase drugs he wouldn't do that he was not a thief but he did abuse drugs he would break into your house and raid your refrigerator because he would not spend the money that he earned on food he spent it on drugs but he would break into your house and was put in prison for breaking into people's houses it was still breaking and entering He would not steal your things. He would simply raid your refrigerator and raid your cabinets. He said he lived on peanut butter and jelly for years because he would break into your house and eat your peanut butter and jelly. And I want you to know he was... He went to Harmon Hill Baptist Church one morning and he had told his wife, I'm going to church this morning. I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ. And he stood there in that pew and he said, I squeezed my fingerprints into that pew when it come time to respond. He said, I knew I wanted to give my life to Christ. He said, I just couldn't let go. Those chains held him fast. He went home and his wife asked him, said, well, did you give your life to Jesus Christ? He said, no. He says, I just I couldn't bear to do it. He says, but I'm going to tonight. He went back to the service that night, and the kids had just got back from camp, and the youth director and the kids had done a program that night, and they didn't offer an invitation. 
So another day and another opportunity had passed him by and he was on his way home. Tears filled his eyes. He was tired of living that lifestyle that drugs chained him to and he pulled over on the side of the road on Luke 287 in Lufkin. He said, Lord, I don't want to live this way anymore. Take control of my life. I give it to you. Oh, my goodness. He said, Brother Wayne, he says it was like they unlocked him. He said, I could feel the weight coming off of my body when Jesus Christ saved me and healed me of that dreaded disease. He said, I never again had a desire to indulge in that area in my life. And let me tell you, God will do that for you. God will do that for you. This morning, I've... You know, and this is probably not a, a good word to use. This is, I, I try to relate messages with you on kind of how I think, okay? I was a mechanic, and when I was to work a job or when I was trying to accomplish something, I normally done it with tools. So in making this message this morning, I, I kind of put the word tools of the Christian walk. In other words, what is it going to take? What do I need to equip you with? In order for you to get up from this service this morning and go home and go out into life and go do the things that you do to make a living, what do I need to equip you with so you can go out there and the tools that you need to walk a proper Christian walk? That's the kind of the, the thing that I relate it to. So I hope you understand that it's, I relate it that way it was because most of my life before I became a pastor, I worked with tools. I worked with my hands. But when we look in the Scripture, and if you will look with me in Ephesians chapter 6, you're going to see that when, when Paul refers to the Christian walk, he does not refer to it as a job that you work with tools. He refers to it as a war. He refers to it as weapons. He refers to it as when we go out here and walk this Christian walk, you need to understand, he says, you need to put on the whole armor of God. So I want you to know, for me, even by, by using the word tools, I use that word to help us to maybe understand how to accomplish this walk. We need to apply these tools. But when Paul writes, he says, listen, it's more than just a little old job that you're accomplishing. He says, this is a battle that we face. So if I was to really use the words and, and refer it to the Scriptures the way he is saying, I am telling you these are the weapons that we need every single day to go out and to complete this Christian walk that God has called us to do. I want you to understand that God has not called everyone in this room to walk a Christian walk. Did you hear me? God has not called everyone in this room to walk like Christ. The only ones He has called in this room to walk like Christ are those who have committed themselves to Him, those who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, because you need to understand that the only ones in this room that are called Christians are those who have been born again, those who have given their life to Christ. If you've given your life to Christ, I want you to know He commands us to walk like Christ. It's not an option. It's not an option. So when, when I tell you that we are here to walk in Christ, 
or how we're to walk this Christian walk, I hope that we understand this morning, when we look at the Scriptures this morning, we're going to look at some things that maybe when we inventory our life and we're trying to walk a Christian walk like God has commanded us to do, let's see if these weapons or these tools... Uh, if, if we've made them available. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11. It says there, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now this is the battle that he's fixing to explain that we fight every day. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. So do you see kind of where I've got the idea of taking these tools? We do not fight against flesh and blood. We fight and we battle every single day with principalities and powers. And it refers to it here against the rulers of the darkness of this world. And I'm telling you, we face it every single day. Amen. So when we look this morning at some of the tools that we need to put into our lives, this is one that should be at the very top of the list. One of the things I did not mention this morning that maybe we'll mention toward the end of the service during announcement time, I want you to know there's been a group of people praying for three years that the Center of Hope would find a building or build a facility. And this last Tuesday, we signed and we, have, we are now the owners of the old Big Star building or the old Big Star grocery store, and the ministry is fixing to be moving across the street. And I want you to know that battle has been won using one tool in the toolbox, one weapon, and that's the power of prayer. Prayer. I know some of you don't have an opportunity to come to church on Wednesday night, but I want to mention, if you were here Wednesday night, you probably know why I'm preaching this message. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, it tells us to boldly become or boldly go before the throne of grace. That word boldly means confidence. But I want you to know that word boldly also means do not be ashamed to speak the name of Jesus. Do not be ashamed to stand up and say, Lord God Almighty in heaven, thank you for what you've done. Lord God Almighty in heaven, I've got a loved one that's got a sickness. Lord God Almighty, cry out unto the Lord with boldness and confidence. And I'm afraid sometimes we become afraid because of our society around us. We're afraid what so-and-so is going to think or so-and-so would think. We ought to be more afraid of what God's going to think if we don't pray. That's one of the things we ought to be considering most of all. I want to give you some examples this morning, and you're going to see, and we're going to end the Gospels here with Jesus. I want us to see a few things that took place 
Before Jesus poured out power, what Jesus has done. So look with me, first of all. Look with me in Mark chapter 1 and verse number 35. Mark chapter 1 and verse number 35. I'm going to use a couple of these examples where Jesus goes out and prays. And then I've got a really challenging question I think I can ask us if we practice the same thing. Mark chapter 1 and verse 35, it says, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and he departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next town, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. And he preached in the synagogues throughout all Galilee, and he cast out devils. Now, let me tell you what was taking place before this. I want you to know, Jesus had spent all day, people were just swarming him, because Jesus Christ, when the crowds came before him, now you notice this in Scripture, and it says, And when they came before him, he healed all sicknesses and all diseases. When they came around him, I want you to know great things were taking place in the people's life around them. So when he came, after spending a day of healing people, the Bible says that Jesus went into a solitary place. What does it mean to go to a solitary place? Huh? All by yourself? Do you know in our society today, it's hard to find a place that you can go by yourself. I mean, and you're watching, if you're watching any of the presidential uh, stuff that's going on, you can't hide anything in the world today, can you? I mean, you think you hear, I'm going to delete this email, and the next thing you know, five years later, they're reading that email on TV. You can't hide anything. I want you to know Jesus went off to a place all by himself so there were no distractions. Nothing could keep him from having that one-on-one time with the Lord. And the Bible says this. The Bible says after he went to the solitary place and he prayed, it says then that they came to Jesus and they said, Hey, uh, the people want to see you again. And he says, I didn't just come for this group. He says, We're going to move on down. And what we see the next day, he is the power. The power that was on Christ, he was able to heal again. The lepers, all kinds of diseases were healed after he went to the solitary place. Look in Matthew chapter 14 with me. Matthew chapter 14. Let's look at another place where Jesus finds himself in a solitary place. Matthew chapter 14 and verse number 12. Thank you for bringing your Bibles. Man, you're going to find out when I'm talking about the tools in the toolbox, and we'll say something about this in in a minute. I want you to know when you pray to God and when you're talking to God, that is your side of the conversation. I want you to know God so many times in His conversation with us speaks right through here. They go hand in hand, all right? So I appreciate you bringing your Bibles. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 12. It says there, And his disciples came and took up the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. These disciples he's referring to here are the disciples of John the Baptist. 
They have just buried Jesus' friend, who is John the Baptist. Verse 13 says, When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the city. What happens when you get bad word? A friend of yours has passed away. Are you ready to go to a party? Are you ready to go and speak with a bunch of people? Jesus said it says that Jesus went off to a desert place or a separated place or a solitary place. I believe Jesus wanted to spend time with His heavenly Father again. And I believe He wanted to speak some one-on-one time. God, my heart hurts. But what does the Bible say? It says when He went away, the people followed Him. He didn't have any solitude. He didn't have any privacy. They came and followed Him. And when you continue reading those scriptures, you're going to see that Jesus took time to teach. He took time to heal. He took time to feed them. But when you skip right on down to verse number 23, look what it says. And when He had sent the multitude away, His intentions were to go up there to pray to begin with. And when He had sent the multitude away, He went up into the mountain apart to pray. And when evening was come, He was there alone. Scripture says after He had gotten through praying, His disciples had already left in the boat. We'll see the next thing that takes place. Jesus is out there and He's catching up with Him because Jesus is walking on the water. He catches up with Him. But again, I want to bring this point across. I want to bring a point, the point across that Jesus went to a solitary place. His, his friend had died. He wanted to spend time with the Father. The human side of Jesus. Listen, Jesus was 100% human being born unto woman. But we got to keep in mind also that He was 100% God. And He, he limited His flesh... Because He came as the sacrifice for all of mankind. He limited His flesh, but at the same time, He had every fleshly emotion that you and I would have every single day. I've probably told you this. Behind our house, when I was growing up, there was about 15 acres behind our house, and there was a corner post the school had bought a piece of property and they went in and, and they set some posts at the corner of the property and it was big iron posts and it was the corner marker for the property and they, it was big corner iron and then they had these, these three-inch pipes going across and it marked the corner of the property. And goodness gracious, being a teenage boy and things going through your life, that is where I would go and I would sit up on those old posts when I didn't understand what was going on, that's where I would go to cry, feel sorry for myself, and have pity parties. That's where I would go. Solitary place. And I remember when my grandfather died. I was 11 years old. Didn't understand what was going on. I didn't understand death at the time. I didn't know, I didn't know why Papa had to die. And I remember the family had all gathered at the house. And I didn't want to be around family. And I walked out through the woods and I went and found that old corner post. And I was sitting on that corner post and I was just sitting there crying. 
I'd been there about 30 minutes and I heard something coming through the woods and it was my dad. He had come and found me. He sat up on that old post with me. He explained to me some of the things that go on in life. And I said, Dad, do you ever come here? He said, Son, I come here all the time. This is my solitary place. Now, this is the question I want to ask you. When is the last time that something so important in our lives has come up where just you and the Lord separated yourself, whether you have to go into the woods or drive off down by the lake or get in your closet or home or separate yourself from everything that might distract you, when is the last time we set aside and went to a solitary place to speak to God about our situation or circumstance? It may be that we need to sit and think about that question for just a second. It may be that it's never happened in our lives. And I would pray that nothing in your life happens so drastic that it drives you to your knees. But what we see in these first two examples is when Jesus Christ spent time, solitary, one-on-one time with the Almighty God, when we see Him coming back, He comes back in power. I want you to know the The strongest thing on this earth is the power of prayer. Is the power of prayer. And we use it so little and not near often enough. The power of prayer. Let's look at another one. Look in Luke chapter 9 with me. In verse 28. Luke chapter 9 and verse 28. And I think this possibly gives us an example of maybe where so many of us, and I use us in reference to myself, that we fall in this area. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 28, it says, And it came to pass in eight days after these things that he took Peter, John, and James, and he went up into a mountain to do what? To pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistening. And behold, there talked with him two men which were Moses and Elias. We know this event as the the Mount of Transfiguration. Oh my goodness. I, I. Okay, you have to understand, this is the way, the, way, the way Wayne Bickley sees it. I have to put it in my human mind, okay, to kind of comprehend what's going on here. I just mentioned that Jesus is all man. He is all hum- humanity, but yet He is all God. This is what happened on top of that mountain. He says His whole countenance changed. The Bible says there that, that His raiment was white and glistening. Listen to this. Jesus just reached up there like Superman and he pulled back his humanity 
when he pulled back his humanity, all the glory of God that was in him began to be revealed. Look what it says in that next verse. And behold, there talked with him these two men, Moses and Elias, who appeared in glory, and he spake of his decease, decrease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. But look what, what the, look what the disciples were doing. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep, and when they were awoken, they saw his glory in the two men that stood with him. How many times do we do this? Jesus goes to pray. We go to pray, and hey, I'm, I'm just like you. How many of you, right before you go to sleep, you decide to pray? How many of you do that? How many make it to the amen? How many of you go to bed at night and, oh, here, I'm going to read a chapter in the Bible before I go to sleep. And you get to about the second verse, and what happens to the second verse? Your eyes fall asleep. Oh, my goodness gracious. I want you to know, James, Peter, and John had an opportunity to witness one of the greatest things in all of the earth, the transfiguration of Jesus Christ when He was exposed to the glory of God. And what did they do? Couldn't keep their eyes open. And when they finally opened up their eyes, they're going, my goodness, what's going on around us? Why did we stick to the end? Why did we stay to the end? Telling you, if we're going to walk a Christian walk, we got to have prayer in our toolbox. We got to have prayer. It's one of the tools that we use. Every time we witness what's going on here, every time we witness Jesus Christ spending solitary time with his heavenly Father, we see him assumed or consumed. With power. I'm telling you, we can be the most powerful Christians in all the world when we have a powerful prayer life. Look at me in Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26. Again, Jesus is faced with a heartbreaking decision, heart wrenching situation. Where's the first place he turns? To the Heavenly Father, where everything we should go with. Your washing machine broke? Turn to the Father. Having trouble with your car? Turn to the Father. Great, great. Man, we wait till something catastrophic happens. <laughs> I had this in my notes and I didn't know if I'd use it or not. I'm gonna, let's do a word reference right quick. Jack in the box. Now, how many of you just immediately thought of a hamburger and a place to eat? How, raise your hand. We're fixing to tell our ages right here. All right, now put your hands down. How many of you, when I said jack-in-the-box, thought about this little box that you turned the handle on? And it, Look at there. See, we're, we're telling our ages now. This is what happens to a whole lot of us. Listen, I don't want to be critical, okay? Just tell me if this happens to you. This is what happens. A situation in our life 
comes into our life and we immediately grab the box and go, Oh, God, here, I've got this situation and I just need this in my life and God, I'm crying out to you. Okay, God, I'm done. Close that lid back up. God, I'll ring you up the next time I need you. And we use God as, and you've heard it, as Santa Claus list or something. But we only use, we crank that handle and we call on God when we need Him. Come on, God, I need to talk to you. Poop, he pops up. Okay, God, thank you. I'll call on to you next time I need you. Lord, help us. Hey, hey, listen, Jesus didn't do that. We read through the Scriptures, Jesus spent time with His Heavenly Father in a solitary place Many, many times. Look what he says right here in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 36. It says, Then cometh Jesus with them into a place called Gethsemane. Jesus has just eaten his last meal with his disciples. He is on the way to the Mount of Olives. He did come to the place called Gethsemane, and he saith unto his disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. When he says pray, what's he mean? I'm fixing to go talk to my father. And he took with him Peter and the two sons, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and being to be uh, sorrowful and very heavy, then saith he to him, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, excuse me, and do what? And watch with me. In other words, pray with me. Help me out here. I am in such distress. Verse 39 says, And he went a little further, and he fell on his face. And he prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as Thou will. Somebody tell me. When he went back and found the disciples, what were they doing? How many of us are asleep? There's so much going on around us today. If we've ever needed a prayer life, we need it now. If we've ever needed a prayer life, we need it now. If this world has ever had need of someone in their life that stands and represents who Jesus Christ is in their life, it's now. And I'm telling you for in, in a surety, you cannot do that without a prayer life. You cannot have the strength that you need without a prayer life. He tells us in, in Ephesians chapter 6, he says, Listen, we're not battling against flesh and blood. If that was the case, I would be standing here and encouraging you to go to the gym lift weights, do a little jogging, get you a little treadmill. But we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against principalities and powers and the evils of the darkness. Listen, we need to pray. We need to pray. I'm telling you, in the direction the United States of America is going in, I'm telling you on Sunday mornings these altars ought to be full of people praying and lifting up our country more than ever before. As the election draws near, we should be praying. We need to spend some solitary time with the one that has given us strength. Matthew chapter 6, and and I'm not going to read it all, but it says, When you pray, 
Don't pray like the hypocrites. They stood on the street corners and they cried out for people to hear them. He goes on to say, he said, listen, when you pray, you go into your closet. And when you're in solitary, when you're, in, when you're by yourself, when you're one-on-one with God, when there are no distractions, you, you want to know something that aggravates me? No? <laughs> when, I go, when I go to your house and visit, I want you to know I'm going to leave my cell phone in the car because I don't want... I want to come in there and I want to visit with you and I want to spend some one-on-one time. And you know what aggravates me? When, when I'm talking with someone, we're having a conversation and the phone rings, they don't even know who it is, but it's more important to answer that phone than to continue the conversation with me. And I believe God hates those interruptions too. That's why he says, hey, get off into a solitary place. If it's important enough to call on my name and ask me to intervene in a situation, why don't you just let me be the one that's, that's the sole person that you're interested in or talking to. Turn the TV off. Turn the radio off. Sit through your cell phone. Turn it off for heaven's sakes. Don't be distracted. He says there, he says, don't pray like the hypocrites where you draw attention, but go to a solitary place and spend a one-on-one time with God. In Matthew chapter 7, he tells us this. He says, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and him that knocketh, it shall be opened unto you. Listen, James chapter 4, he says, You know the reason you don't have the things that you want? Somebody tell me. I know you know. You have not because you ask not. And when you do ask, you ask amiss. In other words, you only have your interest in mind. God, give me that brand new bicycle. I sure do want one. God, do this for me. Do this for me. You're asking amiss. When you pray and seek God, seek His will, not your own will. That's what Jesus prayed. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 says, Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your heart and your minds through Christ. This is, this is not the last time that you'll hear me challenge this church and this body to pray. The next couple of Sundays, I'm going to dig into the toolbox, and we're going to look at some areas that we need to make sure is in our toolbox in order for us to walk the Christian life that God desires for us to walk. I I find it very interesting that God does not reach people for salvation today by sending angels down to do ministering. Who is He called to do the ministering? Listen, we need to understand that we are the hands and feet of God walking on this earth today, and if we don't allow people to see Jesus Christ in us, they're not going to see it anywhere else. We are that. We need to armor ourselves with prayer. With prayer. There's so much more that needs to be said. But I hope that you've got the message this morning that every time Jesus went into a solitary place, it was always followed with the power of Almighty God being poured out in His life. We need a prayer life. If nothing else, this church needs to be a church of Prayer warriors. Prayer warriors. If you're here this morning, 
I want you to know if you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, you know how you come to know Christ as your personal Savior? You pray. You speak to God. You say, Father, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die for my sins. I know that he died and they buried him and he rose again. God, I'm asking you to forgive me my sins and come into my life and save me. That's how a relationship with God begins, is prayer. Let's stand together. Father, thank you again for the time and opportunity. I want to thank you for your word. My goodness, I don't know what we would do without your word. It just it, it gives us the desire and the example that we need to know how to walk a Christian life and follow after you. I pray for Soda Baptist Church that we would be the light and the example to the people around us because of our prayer life and because of our relationship with you. People will see Christ in us every single day. God, use this time of invitation for your honor and your glory. And we'll give you all the praise, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You respond this morning.